Ciao Francesca. Ciao Anand. How are you? Very good, and you? I'm good. Very nice to see you today. Very nice to see you. So today my guest is Francesca Maggioni. She's Associate Professor of OR at the Department of Management, Information and Production Engineering of the University of Bergamo in Italy. Her research interests concern both methodological and applicative aspects of optimization under uncertainty. From a methodological viewpoint, she has developed different types of bounds and approximation for stochastic, robust, and distributionally robust multi-stage optimization problems. She applies these methods to solve problems in logistics, transportation, energy production, and pension funds. She has published more than 60 scientific articles featured in highly prestigious journals and received numerous national and international awards for her research activity. Francesca serves as chair of the Euro Working Group on Stochastic Optimization in the period between 2022 and 2024. And uh, she also is the chair of the Iro Thematic Section of Stochastic Programming in the period between 2018 and 2025. In addition, she is the current secretary of the Stochastic Programming Society. Francesca is associate editor of the following journals, Computational Management Science, Networks, Top, and the Euro Journal on Computational Optimization. She also served as guest editor of several special issues in OR and applied mathematics journals. Francesca, it's a great honor to have you here. Thank you so much for your time and for accepting the invitation. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's really a great honor and pleasure for me to be here today with you. Uh, that's great. Uh, Francesca, uh, you were born in 1980, uh, but where specifically in Italy? Uh, I was born in the north part of Italy, actually uh, in a place that is called uh, uh, Valle Camonica, that is a valley in between Bergamo and Brescia, a very lovely place uh, because on the top of this valley there are the glaciers, there are uh, the Alps, uh, quite a very high um, ski resorts and mountains uh, where you can go to ski, and uh, at the end of this valley, uh, there is the lake, Lake of Iseo, uh, where I, I was also uh, was born. Ah, and for how long did you live in in Valle Camonica? Actually, you come from a, a, a village called Piancamuno, isn't it? Yes, it's correct. <laughs> it's a little village uh, of just uh, 3,000 inhabitants, uh, more or less. And um, I used to live there up to 18 years old, so up to the end of my studies at high school. Um, in, a very, huh. I mean, it's a, in a very quiet place, um, in the middle of a nature. So <laughs> I used to be uh, very concentrated in studying, but also enjoying life, uh, doing sports. Uh, uh, in the mountains and on the lakes, etc. So very nice. Yes, I stayed there with my family. Uh huh. Uh, Claudia Arcetti uh, comes from a close place, right? Right. Yes, yes, yes. Very close place. Yes. Uh -huh. uh, she's uh, in the from the from the south of the same lake, Lake of Iseo. Uh, so yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. In the same area. Mm -hmm. uh, was there a school nearby or did you have to go to another town? 
Uh, the school was quite far away, especially the high school, uh, because as I said, since it was a small village, there was no high school there. So I had to, to like take the bus uh, every morning and um, it was like only 20 kilometers far from my town. But, you know, with the bus, it took like one hour. So I remember that in the morning I had to wake up like at half past six or earlier to be at the school at eight. Uh, yeah, wow. so I did the scientific lyceum. Uh -huh. uh, were you involved in any type of activity outside school? Uh, yes, of course, I was doing uh, uh, sport. So I was um, uh, skiing because, as I said, uh, we were very close to ski resorts. Uh, one was called Monte, Monte Campione, uh -huh. uh, just uh, above the town where I was used to live and also um, Adamello and Passo del Tonale, so very nice places uh, where you can go to ski. And there was uh, swimming, but uh, my big passion was uh, playing uh, piano. So I spent uh, most of my time, uh, especially in the afternoon, uh, playing the piano because I was uh, attending the Conservatory of Music. Uh, and so uh, I did uh, uh, this school uh, in the afternoon. That's impressive. Uh, do you still play nowadays? Yes, but just for myself, for fun, for leisure. <laughs> it's, oh, uh, I mean, right. Yes, Who are your I favorite mean, composers? Um, I'm, I really like uh, the composer from the Romantic period. So Chopin, Beethoven, but also Bach I like very much. I think there are many connections. Uh, uh, there is a lot of mathematics uh, behind uh, uh, especially the compositions of uh, Bach. Um, but I also like uh, Rachmaninoff, for example, mm -hmm. the piano concert number two in um, uh, C minor. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, piano and uh, concerts. So, yeah, he wrote yeah. very complex pieces, if I'm not wrong. Yes, he, he wrote a very complex, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I really like. Uh, <laughs> that kind of music. I yeah. mean, when I also study, sometimes uh, it uh, brings me like to another uh, uh, place. Uh, and so I really enjoy music, mm -hmm. classical music, especially. Uh, did you listen to other type of music back then? Yes, of course. I like different types uh, of music. I like especially uh, the uh, column uh, tracks of uh, some movies like uh, uh, Morricone, I like very much. Mm -hmm. uh, the good, the Morricone. bad and the ugly. <laughs> That's <Yeah. laughs> very, very famous, yeah. Yes, uh, or uh, the one of uh, the movie Il Postino, I like very much. But I, I also like the music from South America, uh, tango, piazzolla, uh -huh. I like very much. Uh, but of course I like uh, also music from Brazil, uh, yeah. So I'm really open to different types of music. Uh, uh, also, uh, sing music in Italy, like um, from, I don't know, Vasco Rossi, uh, Ligabue, mm. or Elisa. Um, yes, uh, I like different types of, uh, of music. And what about the, the, those from the 60s, like Gianni Morandi and someone? Yes, yes, I also like that kind, uh, yes. Yes, very much. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Mina, I, it's Mina, I really love. She's a fantastic uh, Italian singer. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah I, I like Liga with uh, Maria Batara. She she introduced me to, to to him. I think he's from Reggio Emilia, right? Uh, Manuel, you yes. were telling me. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, also Vasco Rossi from, is from Emilia Romagna. Uh -huh. uh, 
Yeah, you mentioned Piazzolla. Uh, I think there's this, uh, this, the, the piece uh, Libertango. Uh, Libertango, yes. Very, yes. very, very nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had this uh, group of friends. They were a quartet, and they used to play that song uh, um, when uh -huh. they, you know, making presentations. So, so I'm a bit familiar with some of those uh, pieces of his. Um, you mentioned that you practice sports like you know skiing uh, and swimming. Uh, but is it true that you were a black belt in karate? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is another uh, story because actually I mentioned you the sports that I did there was a, when I was a, a kid, when I was very young, up to 18. But later, uh, when I was a, more or less 18, 19 years old, I had my first uh, boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And uh, since he was very busy and I was as, as well very busy in, in studying uh, piano and um, course at high school um, then since he was a karate uh, instructor I decided to attend his uh, classes and to take uh, classes of karate and so I learned <laughs> karate I really enjoyed um, I didn't know about uh, that kind of sport I mean I was thinking it was something um, aggressive but it was not the case actually and I found many connections also with uh, the precision of math and also of music, because uh, also there you have to be uh, very precise in making uh, um, all the kinds of movements. In fact, I was especially um, good. I mean, I really like uh, what is called kata, mm -hmm. uh, that is like a series of movements that you have to perform and uh, without fighting with other uh, people, but it's like you are fighting with a uh, uh, invented uh, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. other person, yeah. Wow. So yes, so day by day and uh, um, belt after belt, starting from a white and then yellow and then orange and so on, I became uh, after a few years, I think four or five years, uh, black belt. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, uh, Hikado Fukazawa, uh, uh, he's in Waterloo now, uh, he was a subject to guest he also, he's also a black belt in, in karate in Brazil and in Canada. <laughs> ah, yeah, wow. that's very surprising. Uh, it, and uh, for how long did you practice karate? Like ah, for, um, I think, uh, um, six, seven years. Yeah. Uh-huh. So after you master karate, uh, it seems that you literally kicked your boyfriend, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, it was a very um, intense period of my life, but at the end, uh, um, uh, unfortunately, we split up, the relation finished, we took two different paths, especially uh, because I wanted to continue uh, in following my dream. I mean, I wanted to study mathematics and uh, go to university and take uh, the PhD. Uh, while uh, he uh, was uh, much more uh, traditional and he wanted that they stay uh, in the valley uh, where it is difficult to, to do uh, to, to go to university because of course it was far away from the cities and so uh, very sadly for me especially at that time because you can imagine sure. uh, I, I decided to uh, to go on my way mm -hmm. yeah Right. Uh, you have a degree in mathematics. Uh, what motivated you to pick this uh, degree? Um, 
I mean, since I won, when I was uh, very young, since uh, when I started the elementary school, my favorite subject was uh, mathematics. I really enjoyed doing math. It was like uh, to play and to make uh, games. And so also I remember when, when I was back from school, um, the first subject that I did as a homework was to do the exercises in mathematics. And I especially like geometry, so to draw and to visualize uh, the, what the equation mean. Um, so I really like uh, all different kinds of uh, uh, geometry and also tools of analysis and uh, trigonometrics and so on. And uh, so when I had to decide uh, where to go after the uh, high school, actually, I was a little bit unsure uh, among three possible uh, subjects. Uh, first, it was uh, engineering, uh, because uh, I really like the application of mathematics. Uh, the second one uh, was medicine. Um, but the reason was uh, especially because my uh, professor of biology really pushed me to do medicines. He told me you should do, you should go for there because I really see that you would be a very good doctor, doctor and uh, you should go, uh, you should uh, choose uh, that kind of subject. But uh, then I, I thought by myself, uh, I don't have a very good memory. And uh, of course, in medicine, uh, to reach a certain level, you have to study by heart many different words. And so, and uh, at the same time, I thought uh, I would miss uh, too much mathematics because, of course, in medicine, you have some exam about quantitative methods, maybe statistics, something like that at the beginning, but then it's a different uh, type of subject. And so I decided to not to take it. Um, and then since uh, there was mathematics uh, and uh, it was like a much more um, a safe choice probably because uh, I really liked the subject. So I thought by myself, uh, I know that for sure I like it. And at the same time, I was uh, with uh, the same boyfriend that I told you before. Uh, and uh, so it was like a good compromise also with him because uh, mathematics, uh, it was just four years. And he told me, uh, yes, so after four years, you can get married. And uh, <laughs> so we were both happy, happy about the choice. And so I, I went for mathematics. Actually, mathematics, there was a uh, impression um, at the Catholic University. And so I went uh, for it. Mm -hmm. uh, did you move to Brescia or did you keep commuting uh, every day? No, I moved to Brescia. Yes, I moved there and stayed there uh, uh, for the whole period of uh, my studies, even if uh, during the weekend I commute back uh, home. Right. Uh, you did not want to become a professional musician? Ah, that is another uh, <laughs> interesting story. Uh, actually, in my family, there is uh, one cousin that is um, a professional musician. He's uh, an orchestra director and she teaches uh, clarinet. Um, so I have some, um, I mean, uh, environment that could bring me in that uh, direction. But uh, in piano, uh, it's a very hard, uh, uh, I mean, to become like a concertist, uh, you really need uh, uh, to be perfect. So mm -hmm. that is also another part that uh, brought me to decide not to go for uh, uh, music, uh, music for uh, um, like a professional uh, choice. Um, 
because uh, when you make a concert, it's like two hours of concert, you don't need to <laughs> make any mistake. And so you have to be very um, um, precise. Precise, very, very precise. And that, of course, I was precise, but uh, uh, I mean, the pressure that I had, it was quite high. And uh, I wanted to find also something where I can be much more myself and I can express myself in a much more freedom way. So probably it was uh, related also to the type of music. So classical music is fantastic, but uh, you should perform it in some rigorous uh, way and yeah. rules. Probably uh, other types of music like jazz, it was much more flexible. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but uh, then I decided to go for my first love, that was uh, mathematics, mm -hmm. and not to take uh, music as a first choice. Yeah, because when you're performing, you have to be flawless and it can be super stressful. And I understand that it, it's, it's hard to cope with that. Uh, did you have the chance to meet Claudia Archetti and Grazia Speranza? In Brescia. Yes, of course, of course, but unfortunately not during my um, university studies. So ah. I met the, them later ah, okay. uh, when uh, I was uh, in uh, Bergamo. Mm. Uh, so since we were uh, both in the, I mean, the three of us in the same uh, board in for a PhD program that uh, was uh, jointly run uh, between Bergamo and Brescia. Uh, I had the great opportunity to, to meet them. Of course, uh, they were very uh, famous. Uh, I know the name very well, uh, but I met them personally uh, during uh, this uh, uh, PhD program and, of course, also during the conferences uh, uh, in Italy and in Europe uh, uh, later. Mm -hmm. uh, when you graduated, you got a, a master's degree, correct? After four years. Yes, yes, because uh, in Italy at that time, uh, the degrees in mathematics were just of four years. So after four years, you get the master degrees. So there was no bachelor plus master, but after four years, it was uh, the full master degree. And what was yes. your dissertation about? Uh, my dissertation uh, was about uh, um, the geometric uh, structure. And the, especially as it was related on a, on, a, on a particular structure that it takes the name of a K-loop. Uh, so a K, the K-loop uh, is like a generalization of, uh, the, uh, of a group and uh, which describe the reflection related to the Hull space of Poincaré. So in other words, uh, I mean, I, I did a thesis in a pure uh, math in geometry. Uh, and also here there is a nice story because uh, uh, as I said you before uh, when I was uh, unsure about my choice uh, after uh, high school uh, I really like application of mathematics so after the first two years of uh, doing mathematics uh, I went to the dean of the faculty uh, asking about uh, my future study, pl study plan so to approve my study plan and ask him uh, uh, of course I put many courses in applied mathematics but he told me, you know, you are a very good student, so this is a unique opportunity in your life to sit down and study pure mathematics and, so, and, and study the different tools uh, that have been uh, developed over the years. Uh, you will have uh, all your life to apply what you have learned here and uh, later uh, in uh, a different context. And so, of course, I, I follow his uh, suggestion. Uh, he was the dean, he was a very respected professor, and uh, I think he uh, 
gave me a very good uh, uh, advice. Uh-huh. So, of course, I put uh, all the courses about the geometry, analysis, uh, physical mathematics, algebra, etc. But I also put some uh, applied course about computer science, uh, about uh, uh, numerical calculus, uh, and also game theory. So uh-huh. it was the only course that was uh, related to uh, operational research. But unfortunately, I did not put uh, operational research in my study plan during the uh, master degree in mathematics. Right. So no mathematical optimization, linear programming um, at uh, the time for you. It, it, linear programming, it was uh, mentioned during the course of game theory. Uh, but I didn't know about the simplex algorithm. So the, all the algorithmic part, uh, um, I, I learned them later. Later, okay. Yeah. Uh, and what happened when you got your degree? Uh, so actually, I, I choose uh, geometry um, because I really like geometry, as I said before. I really like to visualize and uh, I really like also the professor. Um, that I choose. So I asked to Professor Silvia Pianta uh, to be my advisor and she uh, very kindly agreed. And uh, so I took this uh, dissertation in pure uh, mathematics. Uh, but when I finished, um, I thought uh, by myself uh, that uh, I really miss uh, the application. So my <laughs> previous uh, love. And so um, I was a little bit uh, in a crisis because uh, I took so many um, theoretical courses. Uh, I finished my degree, but uh, now what can I do? Uh, so she actually suggested me to uh, continue uh, with the academic career, taking the PhD. I didn't know what was the PhD since in my family, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't have experience about the academic life. Uh, but uh, it was very um, challenging for me uh, to learn how to do research and to invent uh, something by, my, by myself. And so I took the PhD, I went to Milano and uh, just uh, after 10 days after my dissertation, uh, my final viva, I applied for a PhD program in Milano, uh, Milano Bicocca, and I've been uh, selected to, as, a, as a student there. Uh-huh. And a good part of your PhD had nothing to do with OR, correct? Yes, yes, because there in Milano Bicocca, unfortunately, there was no um, operational research. So I took some course about uh, probability and stochastic processes, uh, but uh, there was no OR. Uh, however, since my um, master degree was, uh, as I said, in geometry, I met one professor that I was uh, applying geometry and topology to physics. So I found some connection from one side with my past. And at the same time, I find some good thing about the application of pure mathematics. And uh, at the same time, that professor was coming from UK. So he was uh, like a um, coming back uh, brain. There was a, a program to take uh, people uh, that uh, were uh, a professor abroad, and uh, he came from Cambridge, UK. And so uh, I really like his way to do research in a completely um, complementary way uh, of the way that is uh, more typical in Italy. So in Italy, it is more uh, rigorous with the theorem, proofs. Uh, um, so while uh, he had like uh, a bottom-up approach, starting from a real application and uh, also small example, 
just to try to uh, generalize. So it was, uh, uh, for me, it was a very nice uh, experience. His name is Professor Renzo Ricca. Uh, and so um, I did uh, uh, with him this research in uh, a topic related to the geometry and the topology of a filamentary system. So in other words, what we have studied uh, is the influence of geometric and topological aspects uh, into the dynamics uh, of uh, filamentary systems. Uh, so it was a lot of fun uh, on that subject. So it was on, on, under the andre umbrella of applied mathematics and uh, to physical system. Uh, there was some optimization actually, because what we did was also to uh, identify a closed form expression for uh, the minimal uh, magnetic energy of flux tubes. Uh, taking into account that they can also be knotted, uh, but uh, with completely different tools uh, with respect to the one uh, that I applied later mm -hmm. for. Right. Did you spend a period abroad during a PhD? Uh, only one month, actually. I went to Cambridge for uh, a program. So there was a program and there I presented a poster. Um, there were some activities related to this program. So, and this there and met other colleagues uh, uh, and other professors actually uh, at that time uh, working on the same subject. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you finally discover, I mean actually discover uh, OR and optimization? Uh, that is another story and it's like a parallel story. So during my PhD, uh, at the third year of my PhD, um, I was uh, introduced by my uh, master thesis supervisor to uh, two professors working in economics. Uh, one is called uh, Elisabetta Levi and uh, the other one is called Maria, Maria Bertocchi. Uh, that actually uh, later became my mentor. And uh, um, so I started to do some tutoring, um, some uh, teaching uh, with them. But then they, um, Professor Maria Bertocchi uh, proposed me a research grant to work uh, on a project related to a real life problem uh, where uh, it was important uh, to uh, use uh, the methods of uh, stochastic optimization. Actually, they had like a collaboration with a, a gas seller that uh, sell gas to local towns. And uh, there they had to decide the quantity of gas to buy from uh, some shippers. Uh, taking into account that the consumption of gas was uh, uncertain, was uh, stochastic and was dependent by the uh, temperature. In other words, uh, if it was a very cold winter, people use uh, a lot uh, more, uh, use more gas, uh, while uh, in the other case, less. Uh, so um, in that occasion, I started to learn uh, stochastic optimization. So I had to study a lot by myself. I studied, I took some uh, uh, reference book in stochastic programming and uh, um, I implemented uh, this uh, model for uh, this uh, local gas seller. So that was the occasion in which I will learn uh, OR much more uh, deeply. Wow. Of course, then I took many uh, courses uh, in Italy uh, and uh, around Europe, uh, but uh, it was uh, in that occasion. Yeah. Yeah, you already answered my next question. That was uh, that one needs to have a very solid background in optimization before entering in fields like stochastic programming. And, <laughs> and, and I was going to ask, how did you acquire 
uh, enough knowledge and how did you manage to do that uh, and also to digest so much new information in such limited amount of time. Uh, of course, you're very clever, but I mean, you really had to, to take courses uh, and also be self-taught, right? Uh, yes, I mean, it was a very intense uh, year. Actually, um, Marida, my mentor, was very helpful uh, in asking me also to organize like some presentation every month. At the end of the month, uh, I had to like to study uh, stochastic programming, like uh, three, four chapters of uh, Weber, Jean-Louveau and Carl and Wallace book, uh, and then make a presentation to her and also to other people. So that was uh, an opportunity to uh, really study uh, deeply. And uh, uh, so it was not uh, easy because uh, there were uh, all uh, new tools uh, for me. Uh, but uh, probably when you are very young, uh, you are very open and you can learn uh, very in a very quick uh, way. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you were very open and you literally opened a Pandora, Pandora box. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, when you yes, discover yes. R and optimization, it's... Yeah. Yes, actually, it was really what I wanted to learn uh, uh, also before, because uh, through operational research, I can, uh, we can really apply mathematics to real world problems. So I was uh, very impressed, especially at that time, uh, to use uh, stochastic process to, um, and um, partial differential equation to uh, model the uh, temperature scenarios uh, that uh, has been later used for these uh, gas seller applications. So it, for me, it was really, really exciting uh, to see uh, applied in a real world uh, uh, application uh, the tools that I've studied at, uh, at the university. Mm -hmm. How was your coding skills up to that point? Um, I mean, they were quite good, but uh, I had then to study um, like uh, Ample uh, or GAMS, so some modeling languages uh, um, I didn't know at that time. So I used to uh, use a lot of Mathematica for my PhD and also MATLAB. Uh, I took some courses about C and C++ during uh, the university, uh, but of course uh, I had to work much more to fill the gap in uh, tools for optimization. Uh -huh. Um, in Italy, it can be very hard to find a faculty position in OR uh, right after finishing the PhD. Uh, yet, you quickly became assistant professor at the uh, University of Bergamo. Yes, I mean, it, it, was, uh, it was a very exciting period because I've worked a lot uh, since, as I said, I did the PhD in the third year and in parallel I, I took this grant uh, position. Uh, but I was also lucky. I would, I, I, I can say because uh, they opened a position in that university the year later and uh, I applied uh, and uh, successfully uh, got it. Very good. Uh, so uh, you became really happy with the achievement. It seems that you started attending Latin America dance classes around <laughs> that time. <laughs> That's true. That is like uh, the other side of uh, the coin <laughs> in the sense that I did uh, karate, but I did also Latin American, uh, uh, I took uh, Latin American classes. Uh, I mean, I spent a very nice and free period of my life. Uh, um, I wanted to learn a little bit uh, about the dances and um, to be also less precise, also a little mm -hmm. bit more relaxed and uh, spend time uh, with friends. Uh, so it was also a nice way to spend time with uh, friends and uh, drink socialize. 
socialize yes uh -huh. yes it was a period that i was uh, working hard during the day but uh, sometime in uh, during the weekend time i went uh, to take uh, this kind, kind of classes. do you put your really dance, dance skills from time to time in practice uh, sometime, especially I remember during one conference in Brazil, in Buzios, uh, I danced during the social dinner ah. uh, with some uh, local uh, colleagues. So, yes, sometime I dance, but uh, just for fun. Yeah, that's great. In 2007, uh, you spent a period in Norway, right? Yes, that was um, uh, one period that I spent uh, uh, just after my PhD and when uh, I started my position in Bergamo in order to go deeper in stochastic programming. So my mentor, Professor Marida Bertocchi, suggested me to go in Norway um, to visit uh, Stein Wallace and uh, Michael Kaut to work with them on uh, a real life problem in transportation. Uh, actually, there was a company in Bergamo called Ital Cementi and uh, um, she, was, uh, she had some connection with them. And so uh, we went to the company, they really uh, described us uh, the real life problem that uh, they had uh, to manage. And this was an optimization program under uncertainty. There were many sources of uncertainty in uh, the stochastic demand and also uh, in the stochastic uh, availability about uh, some products. And uh, so um, I took the opportunity to go to Norway uh, it was like uh, under an, an Erasmus uh, exchange program uh, to go there, give some lesson, and at the same time uh, uh, do research together with uh, uh, two experts uh, in stochastic programming to learn much deeper uh, some uh, way to model it. Mm -hmm. And uh, after the period in Norway, I also had the opportunity to start uh, to collaborate and do research with uh, Florian Potra from Baltimore uh, in US and um, we I mean we started a collaboration that uh, lasted for many many years we started to work on stochastic second order cone programming for mobile network applications and uh, it was very fun uh, many years later to try to combine my research in physics with uh, optimization and since uh, he was uh, an expert in interior point method um, we also uh, propose some uh, models uh, for such a kind of a super coiling uh, taking into account uh, about uh, some numerical tricks uh, that he suggested to me uh, behind that, I also started a collaboration in the same year with Luca Bertazzi uh, from Brescia. Uh, he's uh, in uh, the group uh, of Maria Grazia Speranza, and uh, um, we really um, work a lot uh, together. Uh, he uh, was uh, a very important expert in uh, stochastic dynamic uh, programming, and so um, due to this uh, connection and the common research interest, uh, we started to cooperate and also supervise, uh, supervise several PhD students uh, together, and we are still working on different projects uh, nowadays. Uh, you went to Lancaster uh, a couple of years later, correct? Yes, yes, I, I, I went to, again to visit uh, Professor Stein Wallace, he was there. And uh, so, um, since I really wanted to uh, go deeper inside the stochastic programming uh, uh, tools, uh, um, but this time I wanted to be, uh, to be um, much more uh, involved in some methodological aspects because it was very nice to learn uh, um, using uh, and by, by 
tackling some real life problem, the, uh, what there is behind these techniques, but I wanted to give a contribution also in the methodology. And so I spent there um, many months since November to June uh, 2010, uh, I spent there a period uh, having the opportunity to work with him. Mm -hmm. uh, you also started to visit Vienna regularly around that period. Yes, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, I, um, there was, in Bergamo, there was a PhD program, as I said, the one that was uh, running run jointly with uh, the University of Russia. And uh, during summertime, uh, many professors used to come uh, to uh, deliver courses uh, during this PhD program. And one of the professors that was uh, invited was Professor Georg Flug. So during one of his uh, visits, um, I presented him my researches, my work uh, that I did on bounds and what I've also done in Lancaster. And so uh, there it started this uh, collaboration. And so I used to go to visit him uh, to continue this collaboration year after year. Mm -hmm. uh, up to that point, you kept working on two main research lines. Uh, and you even went uh, back to Cambridge in 2012 but not to study stochastic optimization. That's true. I mean, I continue working also on the subject related to my PhD. Um, I mean, in general, uh, I really love uh, both of the subjects uh, and uh, I was thinking it is applied mathematics. Uh, also, the people in my department uh, appreciate uh, that I had uh, like a, a, a wide uh, kind of uh, background. And so I continue working uh, in both of the subjects. Uh, but actually, at some point, it happened that um, I decided to focus uh, only in uh, stochastic optimization uh, because in Italy there is a system to get habilitation and uh, this habilitation was quite uh, rigorous and strict. So uh, I applied on both the subjects. I applied to OR and also applied to physical mathematics in 2012. And unfortunately, they both gave me the same answer. So um, very wide, uh, nice uh, results, uh, very productive, but uh, half of your uh, production, half of your papers are out of the scope uh, of uh, this subject. <laughs> and so uh, there I really decided uh, to take uh, uh, only stochastic programming or in general OR as my main subject. Uh -huh. yeah, after you joined the University of Bergamo, you had a chance to to travel quite a bit and to acquire more knowledge, to expand your network. And uh, you had also a very good opportunity to, to uh, improve that aspect because the International Conference on Stochastic Programming was uh, held in Bergamo in 2013. And, and I believe it would have been a great experience for you. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you, we had the world community on stochastic programming in Bergamo, uh, so it was really a unique uh, experience. So it has been organized by Marita Bertocchi and Giorgio Consigli and uh, also all the group uh, in Bergamo. Uh, so uh, all the other colleagues uh, which work much more in application in the finance and uh, Maria Teresa Vespucci that works uh, in energy. Uh, so it was really a unique uh, experience, I, I have to say. Okay. Francesca, uh, you have made uh, incredible contributions uh, uh, in the field of stochastic optimization. 
I know we can talk about them uh, I mean, for, for an hour or two or even more, uh, but could you highlight <clears throat> your main contributions uh, in the field? Uh, sure. So, um, since the last, I think, uh, 10 years, more or less, I'm working on providing bounds and approximation for uh, sequential decision problems affected by uncertainty. So, in other words, uh, uh, problems in which uh, the decision maker has to take a sequence of decision over time and in between each uh, stages, uh, uh, some uncertain event uh, will affect the parameter of your problem. So these are the so-called uh, sequential decision problem affected by uncertainty. And uh, the one typical approach that uh, we can use in order to cope with such a kind of problem is given by multi-stage stochastic programming. Uh, however, uh, one of the main problems related to stochastic programming is that uh, you need to represent in a good way the uncertainty which affect the parameters of your problem. And typically, this is done by creating what are called scenario trees. But uh, if you want to represent in a very good way your uncertainty, typically you need a very large number of scenarios over stages. And as the stages increase, then your problem unfortunately explodes from a computational perspective, so become intractable. So, it's uh, very useful from a practical perspective to, to have uh, some uh, bounds and approximation, which at least uh, provide you an interval, uh, providing a gap from below and from above, uh, where you think uh, uh, your uh, solution of uh, the original multi-stage stochastic program uh, would uh, be. So what I did was uh, to propose different types uh, of bounds and approximation. Uh, the first one, uh, it was based on an extension of the so-called pair approach proposed by Berger. So I started just by reading and uh, studying the book of Berger Lugo Introduction to Stochastic Optimization. There was a chapter uh, where uh, it was proposed the so-called pairs of problems. So instead of solving the large scenario tree in a two-stage setting, you can solve uh, in parallel or in sequence problems which just made by two scenarios. And then you needed to combine their objective function, and this will provide a lower bound to the original program, in the case of a minimization type of problem, which is a better lower bound compared to the wait-and-see approach. In the wait-and-see approach, uh, you don't have, uh, I mean, you know exactly at the beginning in which scenario you are. So, in other words, uh, you can solve a deterministic program, and you do it over all the scenarios and, men, and then you make an average taking into account about the probability of each of these scenarios. Uh, so inspired by this pair sub-problem proposed by Berger, then I work in extending it uh, to the multi-stage setting uh, also by taking into account that some of the uh, sub-problems or some of the scenarios could be very important and so should be kept fixed in all the sub-problems. So starting from uh, this kind of uh, uh, bounds, uh, what we did was to propose some uh, monotonic uh, um, lower bounds, uh, which better approximate uh, the problem with respect to the wait and see, and uh, some upper bounds uh, uh, related to so some out of sample uh, solution. Uh, then we propose also, especially in collaboration with Professor Georg Fluge, some uh, lower and upper bounds uh, uh, by considering the concept of stochastic dominance. So instead of uh, dissecting the scenario tree into some sub-problems, uh, which in any case uh, represent an uh, approximation of the original infinite 
multistesocastic program, what we did was to approximate the probability distribution. In which way, by proposing a finite uh, process, which is proposed, which is represented by a scenario tree, which is dominated or dominates the original continuous process according to the concepts of stochastic dominance. So in other words, we stole this concept from finance and we apply to the methodology of scenario generation in order to propose a lower and upper bounds. And then, of course, you need to take into account some condition about your problem as monotonicity and convexity, etc. And then we propose what are called guarantee bounds for multi-stage stochastic program. Uh, then what I did was to apply such a kind of tools also to different types uh, of uh, problems, again, affected by uncertainty, like uh, the so-called multi-horizon stochastic programs. Such a kind of problem were also mentioned during uh, the uh, interview of Professor Philpott, uh, Andy Philpott. Um, these kind of problems are very important and from a practical perspective because they combine two uh, different levels of uh, um, horizon. So one that is more strategic for very long lasting decision and another one which is more related to the operational decisions. And of course, as you can imagine, you have like some scenario tree that are nested inside another scenario tree. Yeah. And so again, computationally, the problem is really difficult to be solved. So I try to apply some bounds also in that setting. Also, in the case of uh, chance constraints, so uh, instead of having the classical recurse fu function, uh, you can have uh, some of the constraints that can be, uh, I mean, uh, satisfied with uh, a certain threshold of probability. And so in that case, uh, what we did was to uh, propose some convex reformulation of, uh, um, of uh, lower and upper bounds. Um, we also apply in collaboration uh, with uh, Professor Bonze, Emanuel Bonze, uh, to a class of problems, uh, the standard quadratic programs. Uh, and so what I'm trying to do is uh, to apply bounds uh, to different type of optimization problem under uncertainty. Uh, more recently, um, uh, what we are doing in collaboration with uh, Guzin Bayraksan and uh, two of our PhD students, uh, um, actually one, uh, both of them already successfully uh, defend their PhD thesis, Daniel Faccini and, and Arthur Young. Uh, what we did was to propose a bounce for uh, another class of uh, problems affected by uncertainty uh, or methodology that is called uh, distributionally robust optimization. Uh, and so in that case, uh, uh, you have uh, another level of uh, difficulty to take into account. So for distribution robust optimization, you don't know um, one uh, probability distribution which represents uh, your uncertainty, but you have a class of probability distribution uh, which match some properties. For instance, uh, uh, the moments, the first, the second moments, etc. And so what we did uh, uh, was uh, to develop some condition uh, that uh, the, the, the level of uncertainty or the uncertainty levels that are like the radius describing this uh, conditional uncertainty set should satisfy in order to, again, have a guarantee to have a lower or upper bounds to the original uh, multistage, in this case, distributionally robust optimization uh, program. Wow. That's that's a lot. Uh, it's fascinating work. I had the chance to to check uh, some of your papers on the topic. You also gave a very nice talk 
to our group that we organized together with uh, Iro Young, uh, with Alice Raffaele. So, uh, I mean, it's fascinating work. And, you know, stochastic optimization methods have been successfully applied to in areas related to power systems, energy, electricity markets, and so on. How about in transportation? Uh, how far do you think is, it is doable to deploy practical solution approaches based on stochastic programming? Uh, because some, some methods can be fairly complicated to understand, and, and even for our people in the industry. Uh, and thus, pr practitioners might show some resistance in using them, because some of them want to really understand what's going on, right? So there can be a, a, a challenge. I'm not saying that's not relevant. I'm saying that uh, it's, it's very, very interesting work, fascinating. But it might be a bit hard to understand and to uh, be able to visualize how that would be applicable in practice, right? Yes, I understand. Uh, yeah, of, of course. Uh, so starting from your first question, uh, for sure, um, it, uh, stochastic programming and uh, in general optimization under uncertainty uh, play an important role in transportation and logistics because uh, um, in, in logistics and transportation you have uh, many sources of uncertainty that uh, if not considered can really affect uh, your uh, your optimal policy. I think for instance the uncertain demand from the customers or uh, the travel time that uh, can be very uncertain because uh, some accident can appear or also the weather condition can affect uh, your travel time inside or outside the city. I think uh, also uh, the presence of or absence of customers, uh, all the uh, logistics activity related to e-commerce, um, which are involved to, to e-commerce, uh, uh, brings uh, a lot of uncertainties uh, that, uh, if not considered, can really disrupt uh, the solution plan of uh, a delivery um, company. Uh, so accounting for such an uncertain dimension is really crucial to um, optimize the decision in logistics and transportation in a urban context. So uh, it's really important in such a kind of context to consider such a kind of, of uh, uncertainty. And uh, in terms of uh, the second question that you asked me about uh, the, uh, the fact that the companies can be a little bit afraid about that, um, I mean, I would suggest to uh, start uh, showing them the impact of not considering the uncertainty in an uncertain setting. So in other words, you can start maybe by, sol by solving the deterministic problem and then solve with them a simplified version of a stochastic one with maybe very few scenario and compute classical measure like the value stochastic solution, uh, which quantify the loss that the company would face in the case the uh, uncertainty would not have been considered. Typically, the VSS, the so-called value stochastic solution, is around 10-15% that in terms of money or other types of objective of a company can be uh, very important. So I would uh, suggest to uh, quantify by computing these kind of measures that are very classical in stochastic programming and uh, maybe uh, provide some uh, tools in which, uh, uh, I mean, or some interface where you ask to the company uh, to fill some Excel sheets where they can insert manually their uh, data that day by day 
they receive and then uh, combine it uh, with a tool where there is uh, all the uh, optimization uh, model and algorithms able to, to solve it. And, um, and then uh, they typically uh, can uh, see the advantage of such a kind of uh, technique. So maybe, um, as you said, is not uh, uh, um, we, we should not uh, show them uh, all the tricks behind, uh, explain the general setting, but also quantify by solving uh, in real life problems uh, with uh, some real life instances, uh, the deterministic versus the stochastic uh, solution. Right. So you think it's more uh, promising to present the intuition behind the idea? Uh, probably not uh, going too much into details and focusing on the results and the benefits of, of adopting uh, uh, such a strategy, right? Like using uh, stochastic optimization and how dealing with uncertainties can be beneficial and can yield uh, like uh, positive results for the company. Yes, absolutely. I think it's uh, very important, of course, to give uh, the general intuition about uh, the technique, uh, but then there should be a trust uh, between uh, academia and uh, companies. Uh, and uh, we should uh, really show them uh, the, uh, real, uh, the real impact. Yeah. yeah. If someone with a very good background in deterministic optimization wants to learn more about stochastic optimization, uh, what steps would you recommend? Um, I would recommend to, to start with your deterministic problem and then think about the parameters that are affected by uncertainty and maybe start with, I don't know, three scenarios, the optimistic one, the average one, and the uh, bad scenario, and then uh, combine it and put inside your optimization model, your deterministic model, and see how, how it goes. And then add step-by-step step another layer of difficulty. Uh, maybe ask uh, for the help uh, with uh, uh, one person from uh, statistics or econometrics uh, that can help you to make some uh, uh, good uh, forecast about uh, the construction of the scenario tree and uh, include uh, inside uh, your optimization problem. And then, of course, you need uh, uh, some uh, scenario de reduction techniques in order to cope with the computational complexity of this problem or some decomposition techniques. Uh, but uh, I would uh, suggest to go step by step. So it's a really a very good point to start with a deterministic problem that you are able to solve and uh, add one level of difficulty. Uh, I think in general, the stochastic programming community is very open uh, to cooperate. So it would be nice also maybe to involve uh, in your work one colleague working in stochastic optimization that can provide you some tricks about uh, what are the typical uh, difficulties that uh, we need to face. So I would suggest uh, to go step by step and uh, again uh, try to compare uh, the policies provided by the deterministic and the stochastic one. And then see if uh, the problem um, is uh, you would like to have uh, a a much more risk-averse uh, behavior or, uh, or not. It depends by the types of application. If you are uh, um, 
if you have uh, to solve uh, one problem where uh, it's uh, very important to satisfy and to be uh, much more risk averse, then uh, you would uh, go uh, versus a robust or distribution robust setting, or you can uh, include inside your optimization model some risk uh, measures in the objective function or uh, otherwise uh, just to take uh, the expected value and uh, consider your probability distribution. Uh, of course, the main assumption of stochastic programming is uh, to know the probability distribution about uh, your random event or a random process. So if you have uh, historical data, uh, that is a very good starting point to create a, a good scenario tree. And then as, may, as many scenarios you have, uh, much more uh, reliable uh, is uh, the uh, representation of uh, your uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you see the interplay between stochastic optimization and machine learning? Ah, it's a very uh, challenging question. Uh, for sure, I see them very interconnected. Uh, and for sure, stochastic programming is using also techniques uh, of machine learning, uh, especially uh, in the scenario generation and scenario reduction method. Um, for instance, classical clustering techniques, uh, which are techniques of uh, unsupervised machine learning, are uh, very often used in uh, scenario uh, reduction and clustering. Uh, again, to cope with the problem about the computational complexity. So we wanted to represent our uncertainty in a very good way, but keeping the number of scenarios limited. And so for sure, from that side, uh, machine learning tools can be used in stochastic programming and are, of course, very commonly used uh, already. Um, then in, in some application, I also see that uh, machine learning can be used to um, generate uh, very reliable scenario trees uh, um, to represent the uncertainty, for instance, for uh, traffic uh, time. Again, in transportation and logistic application in a urban context, uh, what we can do, use is to use uh, some deep learning techniques in order to forecast uh, the, um, the, the velocity, because you can imagine it's a, it's a very <laughs> big animal uh, to, to study the, um, the velocity uh, in a graph, because in, in every arc you have it to imagine that you need to generate a scenario that then easily explode uh, exponentially. Uh, so instead of uh, using some econometrics uh, or uh, some copula based uh, techniques, uh, what can be used uh, is uh, to uh, use uh, some deep learning techniques to uh, generate uh, uh, scenario trees uh, for a uh, very difficult uh, uh, types of uh, random process like the one of uh, the velocity uh, inside uh, a city. Uh, but at the same time, vice versa, I think that uh, we can successfully use tools of optimization under uncertainty to um, make a better prediction. So in other words, we can use robust, distributionally robust and in general optimization under uncertainty tools in order to provide a much better model for a classification. Uh, this is uh, what I did uh, recently um, with uh, some of my PhD students and actually is also a trend of research that uh, has been developed uh, uh, by, for instance, by the group of uh, Professor Bertzimas uh, and the co-authors. Uh, so to make a much more robust support vector machine or decision trees. And uh, uh, by computing uh, the accuracy on different uh, um, 
case studies and uh, uh, data sets uh, actually taking into account about the uncertainty in the noise uh, in uh, the measurement uh, can really um, make a better uh, prediction accuracies. And so I think they can uh, really uh, work uh, together uh, from one side uh, to, to the other. I think that uh, also another very interesting uh, research that could be investigating in the future is the connection between uh, multi-stage stochastic programming from one side and the reinforcement learning. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, uh, there are plenty of opportunities to um, to uh, work uh, together. Actually, uh, I think that also inside the, our university, uh, maybe we should uh, play a stronger role as an OR community uh, versus, uh, versus machine learning uh, um, techniques. Uh, because uh, I see that most of the time we have to fight uh, to show that uh, actually behind the tools of machine learning, there are optimization uh, methods, uh, algorithms, uh, also the stochastic gradient descent uh, algorithm that is uh, used by all the deep learning uh, techniques uh, is uh, a tool of uh, operational research. So we should, uh, I think, stress the fact that uh, the mother of everything is OR. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand your point. Uh, you presented uh, valuable insights. I think it's a challenge to, to you know, properly combine them, uh, especially when solving sequential decision problems. So I think there's a lot of uh, things to do, um, and it's definitely a subject worth of, of investigation. And let's see what happens in, in the coming years, right? Yes, very exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you became associate professor in 2019, and, and you're currently chairing the Eurogroup on stochastic optimization. Uh, could you comment about this? Uh, yes, so I became, after two years that I got my habilitation, I became associate professor at the Department of Economics. Uh, then I recently moved to another department in the same university, uh, Department of Management, Information and Production Engineering. And um, I've been elected uh, by the European Working Group on Stochastic Optimization to become a, a chair. I was very happy. Actually, before I was a secretary and then treasurer, and uh, was cooperating uh, in a very strict way with uh, Miros Kopa, that was the former chair of the group. And uh, we are working together uh, with the whole committee to um, support uh, young students, especially uh, we support prizes uh, during the Computational Management Science Conference for the best student paper prize, but also during, during the Stochastic Programming Conference um, that will be uh, this year in July in uh, Davis, California, we will support uh, the Dupachova Prekova Best Student Paper Prize. Uh, and we also organize uh, conferences or uh, schools for uh, students in order to bring more young people into the, our community. Um, so we also applied for a school next year in the south of Italy. So let's uh, hope that uh, we, can, we can do it. Uh, so it's a very nice uh, experience, I have to say, uh, to be part of uh, this uh, board of uh, the European Working Group uh, because there are many exchanges uh, of uh, ideas and uh, organization and uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, very, uh, it's very nice for me to do this for the community. Yeah, you're doing a great service uh, for the community for sure. Um, 
you also got a big grant recently, right? Yes, we got a, uh, it's called a PRIN grant. So it's a grant uh, funded by the Ministry of Education and Research in Italy. And it started uh, one year ago and it will last up to uh, March 2025. Actually, it's a grant uh, that involves four universities. So the leader one is Bergamo, and then there is Brescia with Daniele Manerba, and there is Milano Bicocca with Enza Messina, and Calabria with Francesca Vucaturo. And uh, um, is uh, based uh, on uh, urban logistics and sustainable transportation. So optimization under uncertainty and machine learning. And uh, it deals uh, with uh, uh, environmental sustainable freight transportation, forward reverse logistics activities in a urban area. Uh, so we present different types of uh, problems uh, uh, in transportation and logistics affected by uncertainty that we try to tackle by using stochastic optimization and machine learning techniques. And um, there are also related to these activities several opportunities for young students because uh, um, we, uh, of course, there are calls for postdoc positions and we organize some events uh, during conferences. Uh, or uh, we also did a workshop to present the preliminary results of this grant. So it's, uh, it's very nice to, uh, to cooperate with other people uh, for uh, one. Uh, nice uh, topic uh, that we choose. Yeah, for sure. Sounds really exciting. Uh, Francesca, uh, you met your husband when you were 32. I mean, you started dating him when you were 32 and you became a mom when you were 41. Uh, how have you been managing to stay productive? Yes, uh, uh, I mean, I have been becoming mother uh, only one year ago one year ago, uh, so I have a little daughter called Julia, uh, and uh, we are very, very, very happy uh, about her. Uh, I mean, I again put probably my career and my um, my career and my passion for uh, my work uh, as a priority, and then it was a little bit uh, more difficult to have this uh, little daughter, but at, at the end we are really uh, very happy and uh, she's uh, really now starting to to walk and uh, say some little words. Uh, uh, of course, uh, my life now is much more uh, um, busy and much more intense, especially the first year. I have to say that it was difficult to manage uh, my daughter and at the same time uh, the work, especially because I'm also in a new department, so I had the new courses to, pre to be prepared. Um, so uh, I cannot uh, work anymore during uh, late uh, night uh, or uh, <laughs> um, as I usually do before. Usually I was working also during the weekend. I'm typically a hard worker. So now I have to balance much more the priorities and uh, the priority this year was given, of course, to, to Julia. Um, but I think it's, it's good because at a certain point in the life, uh, uh, it's important uh, also to give uh, importance. Uh, I mean, there are also other important things, not just our uh, work and career. Um, so I should be much more uh, organized, I have to say, and give some priorities uh, to uh, some things. And then she goes uh, now to the kindergarten. So 
it's a little bit easier and I hope it will be better and better. Uh, but of course, uh, um, I wanted to invest uh, my time uh, with her and my husband. And I really hope to bring her uh, with me in the future uh, in some conferences and uh, travel and uh, um, show her the world. <laughs> I think it's uh, very beautiful to see um, in her eyes uh, when she sees something new. Uh, she's very curious. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Francesca, what are your plans for the short term and long term future? Uh, for short term, I'm planning to, um, to attend uh, the conference in Davis for Stochastic Programming at the end of uh, July. Of course, to take some vacation and then again attend some conferences in September. Um, we are also actually organizing a school for uh, um, high school uh, students in um, mathematics and uh, artificial intelligence, where uh, we also um, give some lecture about the importance of OR in such a kind of uh, um, uh, new emerging topics. So that is uh, my short term plans. And uh, in long term, uh, I mean, I would like to continue to do research and help my students postdoc and try to create a group uh, and to support each other and uh, go to conferences and of course uh, stay with my family and uh, see my little daughter uh, grow, grow up so yeah yeah all right uh, francesca thank you so much for your time it was lovely to learn about your story you have a very inspiring inspiring story in fact um i was very uh happy to 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 have this conversation with you thank you very much it was really very nice uh, and an honor for me to to be invited in uh, your in your series thank yeah, you very much yeah. yeah it's my pleasure so i know uh, it's a bit hard for you to travel now at least for the next years but i know you have been to brazil already uh so you know the the, the place but still if you want to make uh, uh, more visits, uh, don't hesitate to contact me and so we could arrange something, okay? Oh, it would be really great, yes. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much for the invitation and also for you. If you want to come to Italy, of course, you are more than welcome. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. Uh, grazie mille. Uh, so take care, Francesca, and I hope to meet you soon. Ciao. Bye. The same for me. Bye-bye. Ciao.